Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another wonderful and exciting episode of the Anthology of Horror. I'm your host and narrator, spring Jack, and we're going to get started today after just a few brief disclaimers. First of all, the show might offend you. If you're easily offended, please turn the show off and spare me the negative reviews on the podcast store, or the iTunes store, whatever the fuck you call it, uh, because you won't like the show. This is your first and final warning. Second, I use advertisements in this show that I do not own the rights to. They are the creative property of Rockstar Games. That is all. Coming soon to the Los Santos Convention Center, it's Mike Andrews. Poor people, stop complaining. Start living. You can't take the money with you when you die. Even I can't. He's changed millions of lives with his book, Rags Are Riches. This all-day seminar features workshops on cooking potatoes, dumpster diving, puffing paint, bathing alternatives, and pharmaceutical baking. Instead of complaining about being poor, lady, enjoy it. Mike, I can't feed my kids, and the rents do. Whoa, bitch, settle it down. Are you saying this ain't the greatest country in the world? Wait, hold on, hold on, wait, everyone. USA, USA, USA. Favorite programs such as There's No Rich People, The Rich Are Miserable, Play Harmonica, and Expect Less, Achieve More. See Mike Andrews live for only $200, payable in 10 installments. Reserve your seat today. They say beauty is skin deep, but what about the energy? I have inflicted a lot of pain in my time, and some of it was really beautiful. For those who really know what it takes to be beautiful, Hair Gruber Spa. Do what I say. After running residential facilities in Germany, Switzerland, and then Brazil for many years, the renowned German beautician, scientist, and disciplinarian has come to San Andreas. At Herr Gruber Spa, you'll be taken to a whole new level. Have you not read the book? Strength, good, weakness, bad, 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 bad. We won't pretend it doesn't hurt, but these days, beauty is worth fighting for. Oh, you want a potato. You are less than a potato. Less, less. Who needs dignity when you're thin? You'll never see people so skinny, happy, and undignified as when they leave our spa. Hair Gruber Spa. All right, ladies and gentlemen, today we're just going to dive right into it with some interesting stories that I found on Reddit. As always, this will be a cold reading. I have not gone through these or read any of any of them before. So my reactions will be genuine. And we're going to get started with the strange woman who smiled at me. For context, my mom at the time was working 40 to 50 hours a week, so while on vacation from school, I was responsible for watching my younger sister. I was a high school junior at this time, and I had babysitting experience, so I decided why not. I didn't get paid to watch my little sister, but she was a relatively good kid, so it wouldn't be a hassle. Before my mom went to work, she gave me the normal rules and told me to make sure that I keep an eye on my little sister. I shrugged her off and sat on the couch to watch some Telemundo. My little sister raced down the stairs 15 minutes later and asked me if she could go next door to collect some old dolls that our neighbor had promised her. It was a sweet old lady who was about 65 and had grandkids, me and my sister's age. I told her yes, but to be back in five minutes, to which she put on her sandals to retrieve the dolls. At this time, my little sister had a habit of leaving the door open. I didn't mind most of the time because it was hot and we lived in a safe, a safe public neighborhood. What the fuck other kind of neighborhood is there? (sighs) There was a slim to no crime. There was a slim to no crime in our neighborhood and everyone knew everyone else. That being said, if you do something bad, your parents will know about it within the hour. 
I know you're reading this and thinking how dumb it is to leave the door open, but like I said, we lived in a public place. What do you guys think that means? I don't know. While my sister was next door, I decided to use the restroom. We have two bathrooms, one half bathroom downstairs for guest and one full bathroom upstairs. While I was in the bathroom downstairs, I could hear my sister slamming the door close and walking up the stairs to her room. I finished my dump, flushed, and washed my hands, then sat back on the couch to watch Telemundo. Curious as to what my sister got, I called her name, but there was no answer. Just a muffled rustling of toys. I decided to leave her alone and turn my attention back to the TV. I was so into the show I was watching, I didn't notice my little sister standing across from me. It didn't click for me that I hadn't heard her come downstairs. I just stared at her, annoyed that she kept staring at me. I paused the Telemundo and asked her what she wanted. She looked at me, wide-eyed, and told me someone was upstairs. I laughed in her face, called her a sissy girl, and told her it wasn't funny. She was still visibly scared, however. Since I'm an idiot, I thought she was joking. I asked her if she came back home a few minutes ago, and she said no. She said the door was closed and pointed to the disregarded box of dolls by the back door. I, walking into the kitchen, called my dad to come over and grabbed a big knife from the kitchen drawer. Walking back into the living room, I told my little sister to go into the bathroom and lock the door behind her. I told her not to open it until I told her mom's home so she would know it was me. I crept up the stairs and peeked into each room until I got to my little sister's door. It was cracked open and toys and clothes now littered her normally organized room. I didn't wait. I kicked open the door and flicked on the light. My blood turned cold. In my little sister's rocking chair sat a little old woman rocking back and forth with a plastic baby doll. I stepped further into the room and demanded she get the fuck out of my house. I wasn't raised to curse at adults, but this was a strange woman in my little sister's room. God damn it. She stopped rocking and started, started to hum the tune to a baby lullaby. The most terrifying part wasn't that she was pretending the baby was real. It was the unnatural smile stretched across her wrinkled face. She stood up and giggled on the way out and down the stairs. I stood there staring at her room, trying to see if anything was missing. I didn't even notice that she took the doll with her. And how did you know she took the doll with her? <sighs> I walked back downstairs and checked, and checked room before letting my little sister know she can come out after I locked the doors. But then my dad was pulling up in the driveway up front and I told him what happened. He walked around and checked the rooms like I had. While he was upstairs, my little sister told me the old lady knew where she had been and tried to get her to come with her. The creepiest part was my sister told me she sounded like she was attempting to sound like me. But when she didn't say mom's home, she stepped away from the door. I don't know who that was that walked into my house to steal my little sister's doll, but let's never meet. That was cute. That was clearly written by a 12-year-old, but A for effort, kid. Keep up the good work. In a few years, you'll be uh, Stephanie King. Maybe. Ah, this is taking forever. Oh, honey, what's wrong? I can't seem to scrape the paint off this mirror. Oh, here, honey, I got you something. Wow, a golden razor blade. I can't wait to show the guys this. Where'd you get it? Blotto's, of course. Gold-plated razor blades. 
pocket-sized mirrors. Nothing could be more convenient for the hardworking, clean-shaven man on the go. Blotto's has the life accessories you need. And if you have diabetes or just want to play with the medical equipment, stop by Blotto's this weekend for our shoot 'em up sale. Blotto's, we make daily habits fun. All right, now for a complete and total change of pace. Similar, similar vein, it's still Let's Not Ever Meet, but this one allegedly was written by a college graduate, or at least I assume it was by a college attendee because it's titled College Stalker. So hopefully this is not one long run-on sentence broken up by question marks like the last one was. When I started college in 2011, I formed a solid friendship group and threw myself into the social life. One guy in my block who always showed up to parties but never spoke much to anybody was a classic neck beard. The fuck is that? Overweight anime fan lacking in social skills combined with awkward attempts to be overconfident. He also never bathed, wore stained gray clothes that he never changed, had long, lank, greasy hair, and was surrounded by a cloud of B.O. It would enter the room before he did. Sorry if this description sounds unnecessary, or if it sounds unnecessarily mean. I wouldn't normally judge people for these things in themselves, but combined with his behavior, since... It is, frankly, warranted. With regret and hindsight, I made the mistake of chatting with him at one of these parties with the aim of being friendly and helping him get more integrated into the group. From that moment, a switch flipped in him, and he began obsessively stalking me, which would go on for the rest of freshman year. He would try to isolate me at social events, talking to me for hours, and taking none of my cues that I wanted to bring it to a close. If I tried to lose him, he would find me. If I spent time with my actual friends, he'd follow me and force his way into the conversation, following me around like a wasp on a mission. Well, that's a good description. If he saw me in public, he would give me this thousand-yard, unblinking stare, even from a couple hundred meters away, and he would come over. Got to the point that I felt I had some kind of a tracker on me because wherever I was, he would appear, even when leaving the campus library at 3 a.m. More than once at night, I looked through the spy hole in my door to the hall outside to see him stood there, staring intensely at my door. You're a college student? <laughs> Obviously, this was seriously creepy behavior. I felt hunted. I was frightened and on alert all the time and started to avoid going out of my room. I also started going to my folks a lot just to get out of town. My friends were worried about me, and a couple of them confronted him about his behavior and asked him to leave me the fuck alone. This did not go down well. His obsession turned to rage. Thankfully, he kept more of a distance, but he would still hang out in places he knew I would be, staring at me now with this intense hatred. He started telling everybody that I was his girlfriend and had dumped him in a horribly cruel way. It made me question myself because a few people actually believed him. This continued into our sophomore year. When he got close to one of my housemates and started turning up unannounced at our place, this friend believed the stories he was telling and thought I was being unfair and asking him not to bring this guy around to our house. He ended up stealing my mail, including a new bank card. I had no evidence that it was him, but I had so much stuff going missing that I knew he was probably doing it. Yeah, but it's not what you know, home boy. It's what you can prove in court. Anyway, I also once found him in my bedroom. That was the last straw, and my roommate finally accepted that this guy had been lying about everything. When I moved away, the in-person stuff stopped, but he started cyber-stalking me, trying daily to hack any of my accounts that he could find. This continued, though to a lesser extent, for a period of three years. But since then, everything seemed to die down, and it was over. 
I recently found his blog where he writes fantasy stories about our old relationship and calls me the love of his life. It was more than 10 years ago now. Well, who's stalking who if you found his blog? A. Food for thought. But, uh, sorry that happened to you. Cock-a-doodle-doo, it's time for chicken. Cock-a-doodle-doo, it's time for a feast. Eat a 90-piece bucket, you can tell. He's been to Clucking Bell. The chicken is a bird with a tiny brain. So we assume he doesn't feel any pain. We shrink their heads and we breed them fast. Six wings, 40 breasts, and then they're gassed. Clucking Bell! If you enjoy it, the chicken didn't die in vain! Speaking of chickens dying in vain, you guys know that I don't run advertisements on this show because oftentimes I don't support the products that want to do advertising deals on this show and, uh, to be quite frank, nobody wants to sponsor this show. So this is not a sponsored ad, but uh, speaking of birds, I know I have a lot of people out there that listen that are definitely more interested in animals than humans. So if you guys want to support a pretty good cause, check out the Good Cause Crow Rescue. It's a Canadian small town, two-person run bird rescue out of uh, British, whatever, British fuck in Canada, British Columbia, I think. <laughs> Uh, It focuses on all sorts of birds that have been injured, and it is a great cause, and it's one of our regular listeners. So if you guys want to support a regular listener of the show and somebody that is doing good work, check out Good Cause Crow Rescue. And with that, this next one is called, Why Are You Mad I'm Not Drinking? Okay, so I'm not conventionally pretty, nor classically pretty. (laughs) I'm sure you have a charming personality. I'm the duff in any friend group I'm in. Oh, come on, man. That's not nice. I never worried about being hit on, disrespected, or kidnapped. I never had to worry about my own safety when going out, as I was never the one that anybody wanted to get to know or be around because I'm so plain, and it's always me that has to be on the lookout for my friends, male and female alike. Well, it sounds like you were a very attentive friend, so that is a positive. This self-deprecating shit is a bummer. (laughs) Now, I like to go to a local bar almost daily. I don't drink alcohol there. I just get normal Coke and wait for my ride home. Because I'm a jaded asshole. I just read that as I just do Coke and wait for a ride home. Uh, But I believe she's actually drinking Coca-Cola, not snorting cocaine off a toilet seat in a bar like some of my friends may have done when I was her age. It's my usual hangout spot after work, so I just sit and chill and mind my own business. Well, a few weeks ago, I had just gotten off of work and was chilling at my usual spot, sipping on my drink while working on a new pendant I was making. I started wire-wrapping crystals into jewelry. Man, you're a talented lady. Attentive friend. Make jewelry. I like you already. I like all that self-deprecating shit. I didn't think anybody would try to talk to me, since I knew I basically blended into the wall. Even though the staff know me and pay me some attention and they're relatively nice to me. I'm usually left alone here, but this weird guy I'd never seen before came over and sat at my table across from me. I was surprised and looked up at him and struck up a small conversation that I can't even remember 
how I started, but he started to ask me a few questions about myself that I thought were normal and all flowed together, so I didn't think much of it. Again, I'm plain and didn't think anybody would want anything to do with me. I had drank three glasses of soda by then and had to use the restroom, so I grabbed my phone in purse and went to the bathroom. I may not have even been worried about being abducted, but I did worry about my identity, cash, and contact list. Smart. I went back a few minutes later and went back to working, since none of my stuff had been touched. I called the waitress over and asked her for a new drink, and she nodded, as it, is, as it had always been ingrained in me that you never leave your drink unattended, and if you do, just have it remade, or leave it to the bartender. Smart. Can't argue with that logic. As she was going to grab for my old drink, which only had a few sips taken out, the guy got a bit huffy at me, saying I was being wasteful for ordering a new drink. I looked at him with a raised eyebrow in confusion. I asked him why it was his business if I did. It was my money, and the refills were free. He then said I was making more work for the waitress for no reason. This annoyed me, and I told him again that it was my business, and that if he didn't like it, he can always fuck off. Ah, I like this girl. He then tried to wave the waitress off with letting her change my drink, but I'd had enough of the nonsense and told him flat out, then you drink it if you think it's such a waste. Seemed to have caught him off guard, and he looked at me shocked and then a bit angry before leaving. I then looked at the drink and handed it to the waitress and told her that something didn't feel right about the guy that I was talking to, and if she could tell the bartender to keep an eye on him and dump out my drink and just bring me water from then on. I left for home after being picked up shortly after and found out the next day after work that he had been arrested for some type of assault. I didn't find out till today what actually happened. Apparently, he got into a fight with the bartender working that night. The bartender caught him putting something into a girl's drink when she wasn't looking and stopped her from drinking it. The guy got mad and started a whole scene. The cops were called, and now he's out on bail awaiting trial. Apparently, he was trying to see if he could get somebody like me who's always had her guard down for herself because her confidence was low, and he thought it would be an easy mark with just a little attention. But when I didn't drink my drink... And when I came back, he tried it on another girl. If he was really targeting me, I have to question his sanity and sobriety. Oh, come on. Thank goodness for those old lessons about safety growing up. Thanks, Mom and Dad, and to the guy at the bar, let's never meet. Well, I think you handled that well, young lady. That was uh, kind of sad how you talk about yourself, but uh, you handled it like a champ. You handled it like somebody with a lot of self-confidence. I'm actually uh, pretty impressed that you handled it that way when you whined about not being confident the entire length of that story. You carried yourself like a confident woman. Well done. Let's be honest about things for a second. Really honest. You came out to the West Coast to get away from something. Everyone does. Let's face it, the Midwest is full of retards. That's why we've got the fastest growing population, a massive economy, and absolutely no history or culture. You used to be a dork, but you moved here, and suddenly you're cool. San Andreas is a land where you can be who you want to be. Change your name, come out, lie about your age, form your own religion, call yourself an actor but wait tables. It just doesn't matter out here. Everybody's at it. Until the awful moment old friends or family come to visit Janice understands maybe it's time to change your identity don't let bad memories blow your cover we'll teach you all the things you need to alienate your family quick they'll never think of visiting you again select from a list of weird religions that involve burning things singing children's songs backwards and loads of television worship we'll select a member of another race or life form for you to claim as your soulmate and your dietary habits will go pacific too people come to San Andreas to escape their past we'll help you lose contact with friends and family fast Janice it's time to invent the new you. God, that tr that commercial is the fucking truth. 
The only people that come to Los Angeles and wear those I love LA shirts or hats are people that moved here from wherever the fuck and haven't lived here long enough to truly understand what it means to hate Los Angeles <laughs> and Hollywood. All right, all right, let's see. What's the next one? Ooh, okay, this one is titled, Didn't Realize Someone Was In My House. Sorry in advance for the long post. I just need to get this off my chest. My fiancé, 27 male, AI, 23 female, are soon to be married and are remodeling an old family home. We started working on the house about two or three months ago. My fiancé bought a bunch of tools to use on the house to renovate. The house has been sitting with nobody in it for over a year. Keep in mind the house is located in a fairly rural area. A few houses and trailers here and there, but not too much traffic. We have a rodent problem and have been setting traps to catch them. Three weeks ago, my fiancé went to check the traps and we had a rat that was alive. Long story short, he didn't want to take care of it, so he left. What? I got off work at 9 p.m. and went over to the house to take care of the rat. It was raining and my mom and brother came with me. Oh, you got the goon squad for the hit, huh? I went to the back door and it was wide open. And water was blowing in the house. I was pissed. I thought my fiancé had left the door open. I shut it and finished my business there. I asked my fiancé why he left the door open and he claimed he didn't. I called bullshit and left it at that. Didn't occur to me that somebody had possibly made a quick getaway. Fast forward to today. My fiancé and went to our house to throw a whole bunch of trash and stuff into the dumpster we rented. When we went inside, we immediately noticed that some things were missing. Drills, sanders, etc. How many fucking sanders do you need? <laughs> we realized that they had been stolen. We call my mother-in-law and tell her about it. She says, make a police report, you stupid bitch. What scares, me, what scares me so much about this is that everything began to click with the rat trap incident. Somebody has been scoping us out. I would go to our house by myself on many an occasion and always had the creeps and felt watched. My little brother even remarked that he felt watched there and asked if we were sure nobody was in there while we were gone. I noticed today when I was alone that my dog was acting nervous and suspicious. She wasn't running and playing like she usually does and didn't want me to go into the backyard or wooded area. I'm glad that I trusted her and my gut feeling. I don't know if the thieves were there, but I'm glad I didn't find out. We are currently in the process of installing cameras. This had to have been somebody that lives near us and can monitor how often we're there. So to the person or people that broke into my unfinished home, let's not meet ever. Update. So we did catch a car pulling up, or pulling in like it was scoping the place out. The people inside never got out, but they left. We asked a few of my fiancé's family members about it, and that was to our detriment. One of them went and spread the word that we have cameras, and nobody in the neighborhood who owned the vehicle that we caught on camera slipped up and said, Wait, what? One of them went and spread the word that we have cameras, and somebody in the neighborhood who owned the vehicle that we caught on the camera slipped up and said they already knew things had been stolen, which to me is basically a confession because he, we hadn't told anybody about the robbery until the incident with the car we caught on camera. Wait a minute, you told the police, you stupid asshole? Think police in small town don't talk to the people that they're policing? They live in the communities. Stupid fuck. So now more people than necessary know, and we probably won't catch the person who did it. Alright, Scooby-Doo gang, fuck off. We still turn the footage into the police, though, and maybe they can dig up some background info. You said you already knew who it was. What background info are they going to dig up? And there's no crime in 
a car pulling up in front of your house, you dumb bitch. Jesus Christ. They weren't scoping you out. The house was vacant for a fucking year. It was probably just a crime of opportunity with teenagers. Breaking into a house to drink and have sex with each other, and they saw, like, oh, hey, my dad needs a fucking harbor freight sander. <laughs> my dad needs a harbor freight fucking corded drill. Jesus Christ, come on. It's not rocket science. Don't need the fucking FBI to figure that one out. You're dumb. You're really dumb. <laughs> I need a break. Hi, what are you afraid of? Heights? Flying? Polio? Whatever your fear, it's time to face it. Hi, I'm Darius Fontaine, the creator of Inversion Therapy. For years, we've helped patients get past their deepest and darkest fears and get on with their lives. Just listen to this. I, I was having really dark thoughts. I, I wanted to sleep with my mother. Now that I've done it, I don't want to anymore. Incredible! But, you know, it works. That's inversion therapy. Fear it, face it, do it, conquer it! Got it? Just listen again. Yeah, okay. I was terrified of my children being harmed, so I stabbed them. Didn't hurt me that much. Yeah, now I'm not afraid of anything. That's another life saved! <laughs> inversion therapy works! I know. When you take your fear head on, then it's time to move on. I'm Darius Fontaine. Call me today. I'll change your life. Promise. Call 1-866-FACE-FEAR. There's a gritty new show this season on Weasel, where the law is the drama, and the drama is the law. What the hell did you go to law school for? I haven't changed at all. I was always overcompetitive and shallow. I have a disabled brother I pretend doesn't exist. I only married you because you've got great guns. Law. Catch it Thursdays on Weasel before it catches you. All right, this next one is called The Creepy Coworker Who Became. This is my first time posting here, and this event happened in 2018. I worked at SeaTac Airport, which I still think is probably the smallest international airport I've ever seen. Oh, excuse me. Smallest international airport i ever seen. The airport was so small that your workstation almost forces you to work alongside with other jobs. In this case, I worked in sales, and we were stationed next to the wheelchair lane, which usually had one wheelchair pusher in the lane. Now keep in mind I was only 19 when this incident happened. I would say I'm a sweet person who goes out of my way to start conversations with people that look bored since I work night shifts at the airport. There was practically nobody flying, and there would be more co-workers than passengers on any given night. Therefore we meet Mike. Around the age 20 to 23, Mike was one of the wheelchair pushers who looked completely out of it, zoned out, didn't seem, and didn't seem non-talkative. So he seemed talkative? Me and Mike worked side-by-side in lanes. He would usually come to give the person in the wheelchair lane a lunch break and then proceeded to go back to pushing people in the wheelchairs throughout the airport. The 30 minutes we saw each other every day was completely awkward and quiet until one day he overheard me and my coworkers' conversation about depression. He, he prompted up his chair and goes, Yeah, I agree with you. Depression sucks. And that's when I realized, oh man, this kid doesn't look depressed, but he probably is. He's older than you, you fucking asshole. Now, I didn't know how that small interaction changed our perspective on Mike. He would join our conversation and even went out of his way to say hello and give us a hug while he finds us throughout the airport. One day, my lead suggested me and Mike should go out for tacos since we both kept complaining how nothing opens late at night and we were always hungry. Now we've known Mike for almost a month now, and his, de 
depressed, filled body. What? And his depressed, filled body started filling with joy every time we would find out we were stationed next to each other. At this rate, we laughed it off, saying, No way. It would be too weird if we went out alone together. I was currently single and was no way attracted or interested in Mike like that. He then looked at me saying, I actually know this amazing Mexican spot that's nearby if you're actually really hungry. They serve the best fish tacos. Now imagine the fat ass... Now knowing the fat ass I am, I didn't decline. I loved eating late at night and Mike never gave me stranger danger vibes. I agree. Because I don't see the harm going out to tacos before I sleep. We exchanged our numbers and I headed home before him since I clocked out an hour before he does. Now when I arrive home, I was getting dressed to go eat out, and the plan was to just meet up at the spot since the Mexican spot ended up being only five minutes from my house. I get a text from Mike saying he wants to pick me up. I kept refusing, but I finally, because I just finally got my driver's license and the place was only five minutes away from my home. You got your driver's license at 19? Oof. This generation is fucked. After almost of 40 minutes of insisting how we are going to get there, I finally gave it, finally gave in to have him pick me up, which I would later regret. <laughs> Rag, oh wait, Raggert. <laughs> if this, oh my god, this lady works at an international airport. If you ever wonder why your bags can't make it on the same plane as you, this is why. Now, I was a big girl. Like we're in the 200 zone compared to Mike, who was very thin and short, so I wasn't worried if he attempted anything with me. I told him to pick me up along a street down because I didn't really want him to know exactly where I live just yet. His beat-up, trashed Toyota pulls up, and we head to the Mexican spot. We got our food, and it was amazing. That we went for seconds, and we have a good talk, watching the soap Oprah on TV. <laughs> After we were done, we get back into his car, and he was supposed to drop me off back at home, but he stops, looks at me, and says, Can we talk in private? I know a spot. I kindly refuse and told him it's already 2 a.m. and we should get back home, and he says, I know it's late, but I just have a lot going on in my life, and you're the only person that's really hung out with me like this. And, being the kind idiot that I am, I said, Sure. Sure is not an answer. It's fucking yes or no. Jesus. Already seeing him drive down the road, I noticed so many red flags as the street lights started disappearing more, his mood and tone starts to change. A complete different in the atmosphere around Mike emerges. He starts telling me, I sure do hate society about women nowadays. They all have this stupid standard. I hate them. I hate them. And I'm like, did I just find a woman hater? Mike never rubbed me off as a gay guy. <laughs> He's just starting to seem every time... He's just starting to seem every time he attempts to talk to women that blatantly reject him and me. A woman is now a dummy. He's projecting all his female hate talk too. I was actually too stunned to speak because he became a whole different person during the drive. We arrive at an abandoned skate park in the middle of God knows where. He tells me to get out. I listened. And here we are at 2 a.m. sitting on a cold... On... Sitting... Sitting in on cold concrete in freezing temperatures. He goes on. He tells me how he hates women and he would lie to his passengers he takes on wheelchairs and tell them that he's from the UK and speak in a British accent. I was so overwhelmed. Like, what the fuck was happening right now? He then talks to me in a British accent from there on how he would give his life up for God and God was the only thing that kept him chained down. He looks me dead in the eye and says, God would want me to castrate myself since he doesn't want me touching or near a female creature for my safety. 
I was completely quiet the whole time, confused, questioning myself, questioning myself how much of a fool I was to even think that I thought I liked this guy. I was completely wrong. After 30 minutes, I was getting cold since this female creature I was was anemic. You can spell anemic right, but nothing else here? <sighs> I told him I'd like to go home now, and he says no and proceeds to talk in a British accent about how God is coming to rescue him. I felt like I was in a movie because I can't believe what was even happening. And he noticed I started shaking my leg. He then says, I guess we can proceed back to the car. We go back to the car and the miracle happens. My Asian mother calls me. I was expecting her to scream at me, asking where I was. And to come home like she usually does. But this time she says in a calm voice, where are you? In Vietnamese, I tell her I'm out getting food with a co-worker. And she says, okay, have fun. And hangs up, again in disbelief that she didn't care where I was at almost 3 a.m. for the first time. I lie and say, what? Oh, you want me to come home? Oh, okay, I'll start heading home soon. And pretend to hang up the phone. I look at Mike and say, sorry, my mom wants me home now. He punches his wheels and sighs annoyingly loud, which gave me a jump scare for a moment. And he starts his car and just sits there in silence, annoyed, grinning the whole time. He eventually starts driving, pulls out his phone, and literally throws it at me. Open it, he says, already exhausted and still not believing everything that was happening. My eyes grow, fixated at over the 100 notes on his phone. What is this, I asked. He says it's songs and poems he's wrote. He looks at me and says, go ahead, pick one. I don't quite remember what the notes said. The only keywords I saw, the only keywords I saw, betrayal and women that stood out. He goes, ah, that one. Would you like for me to sing it to you? I straight up said no, and he continues to sing it for me anyway, and the worst part was that he sang in a British accent. That was the worst part? The whole drive was him singing to me in a British accent how God plans, how how God's plan is to stray him from the human race so he can overcome himself. I was zoned out the whole car trip. It didn't feel real. My sense of danger gets lowered due to how exhausted I was and how I was listening to how this man wanted to eradicate the female species off the face of the earth and how our judgment day was coming. He drops me off on my street and had the audacity to say I had such a lovely time with you, darling. I slam his door shut and run to my street before he had the chance to start up his car. After that incident, I ignored his messages, which he texted me two pages long and how he's sorry and how he believes God was here to put us together. How my Asianness was the only thing holding him back to committing real love to me. I stood in the back of my station to avoid talking to him. He would follow me back to my break room, and thankfully my manager was there and yelled at him to fuck off before he called security. He later got the hint that I was not interested, but continues to stare me down every second he's in the same station with me. Thankfully, during that time, I found a second job and my whole schedule was changed and I never had to see him at work again. I saw him at Target once, but quickly ran back to my car before he had the chance to walk up to me. I later found out Mike was living with one of my lesbian co-workers on her couch. I told her everything he said and did and she was completely shocked and she never saw Mike like that. He was just quiet and would crack a joke here and there that wasn't funny. I advised her that she could keep a close eye on him. She thanked me for relaying the information, and eventually he was forced to move out later in the month. So, Mike, let's not ever meet again. And to my suitcase that I lost flying to Hawaii. Hopefully one day, we will meet again. What is a gentleman? He is kind, polite, and stands by his word. He is well-dressed and treats a lady with respect. 
Now a club for fine gentlemen has come to Las Venturas. Want to be a gentleman? Pay a woman the ultimate compliment by shoving 20s in her panties at the crazy cock. Oh, tonight and every night your luck is in town at the crazy cock where the ladies are beautiful and oh, so very friendly. Come on, boys. I'm waiting for a gentleman like you. That's right. Candy wants to fake freak herself for money and make you feel exactly what you're not. A lady killer. It's the gentleman's choice. And a lady always loves to be noticed. woo What could be more gentlemanly than staring at silicone breasts while my wife is playing slot machines? Nothing. I'm here for a conference. What about my colleagues? I'll make you all feel special, one after the other. Just give me money. Yes, bring your clients. After all, once they see how drunk and horny you get over a pair of fake bazookas, they're sure to take your professional input oh. seriously. What gentleman wouldn't? Learn how a lady likes to be treated. Only at the crazy cock. It's your duty as a gentleman. Oh, kids, you look like we're going to another funeral. Dad, we're bored. You teach your children a lot of good American values, but have you taught them how to have fun? For family entertainment that doesn't stop, head on over to the Starfish Resort and Casino in Las Venturas. You deserve this kind of fun. Water slides, shooting range, and the kids love the Giggle Dome. I'm wet. Plus, we've got the hottest gaming in town. Nobody offers you more gaming value, and you'll teach the kids some important life lessons about real capitalism. <laughs> Dad, I lost all my money. You've learned a valuable lesson. Son, it's time for your first lap dance. <laughs> yeah, guns! Time is meaningless in the land of tomorrow. It's the Starfish Resort and Casino Hotel in Las Venturas. Mom can go all night on the one-armed bandits while the kids visit the Little Tykes Pawn Shop. How'd you do, Charisse? I busted myself and sold a kidney. That's my girl. Share the love with your family the love of money and the starfish resort and casino has the best buffet in las venturas featuring our world famous bacon trough the starfish resort and casino this kind of fun should be illegal all right this next one is called my coffee shop stalker a little bit of background i 23 female was 20 at the time i moved in with my uncle in san antonio texas with the agreement that i didn't have to pay for rent as long as i helped him out with the chores and my cousins I got a job at a super-known coffee chain downtown close to the touristy part of the area. We had a lot of regulars and a lot of homeless coming in and out. I felt relatively safe, though, because I got to know people there, and it was almost always a lot of foot traffic. I used to even take walks after work in the area, especially since I was super close to the river walk. Skipped to a couple months into the job, and I was friends with everyone I worked with. We were all super close. On this particular day, it was one of my coworkers' last day. There was about three guys who had been in there almost all morning. They hadn't bought anything and were just hanging around, which is not unusual for my location. On my break, I decided to walk down to a nearby drugstore so I can get a farewell card and maybe a small gift for said co-worker. I walked out and put my earphones in, and before I could press play, I hear the door open behind me and footsteps following behind me. Whoever it was caught up to me and started walking beside me, matching my pace exactly. I turned to look, and it was one of the guys that had been there all morning. He was a little bit taller than me and reminded me a lot of Lakeith Stanfield. What is a Lakeith Stanfield? All right. Lakeith Stanfield is an American actor and musician. He made his feature film debut in Short Term 12, for which he was nominated for an Independent Spirit Award. 
He received further recognition for his roles in the films Selma, Straight Outta Compton, Crown Heights, Sorry to Bother You, and Judas and the Black Messiah, the latter most of which earned him an Academy Award nomination. He is an actor and a rapper, and he is about my age. He tried to ask for my number, and I kindly told him no. He persisted, and I, with a short temper, told him to eat shit and die. <laughs> he stopped and stared at me in surprise as I don't like the look, as I don't look like somebody who speaks up or is would be rude. He stood there as I walked away, and by the time I went back, they were gone. I proceeded to tell my coworkers about the encounter, and we laughed it off. I thought that would be the end of it, but I was oh so wrong. Every shift after that, he would already be there, just hanging out or would walk in mid-shift. Sometimes with somebody else and sometimes by himself. I assumed he was just another homeless person because... How else he, how else he was always to be around. My shifts were sporadic. Some days I would open, some days I closed, some days I worked mid, but I didn't matter, he was always there. At that point, I started feeling paranoid. I would always catch him staring in my direction. He never ordered anything, never talked to me, and luckily wouldn't follow me. He just would sit there watching me. I started mentioning it to my coworkers, and they started noticing it too. One of my team leaders would help me out by sending me to wash dishes in the back or organize the cooler. My coworkers would also try and place themselves to try to block me from his view. I started feeling uncomfortable at work. Sometimes when I closed, a coworker would walk me to my car before heading home themselves. Or if I didn't close, they would walk me to my car and turn around and head back to work. Then one day of him just staring, I was working the register that day, he walked up and ordered a water. I asked for his name for the order, so I now had his first name just in case. Or you have what he says his first name is. He took his water and sat down. I had mentioned, I had mentioned him before to my manager, but because he hadn't really done anything, we couldn't do anything besides noted in the manager book. The next day I worked with my manager. It was him, two other co-workers, and myself. I told them I had to go take a dump real quick. There were two bathrooms right next to each other, but sort of hidden from the coffee bar on the register. And they weren't gender specific. I walked around the bar to the lobby area. I had to pass his table and walk down to the lobby to get to the bathrooms. I noticed him get up. Before going inside the bathroom, I sat down to take my shit when somebody rattled the knob. I shouted out that it was occupied, but whoever it was kept rattling the door until I finished. When I opened the door, nobody was there, and walking back, I noticed him adjusting back into his chair. I was super freaked out and told my boss. He couldn't tell him anything because we had no proof that it was him. Later that shift, he got up and picked up a coffee from the pickup area. My boss assumed he had ordered it and let him take it. I told him it wasn't, and that wasn't even his name. My boss used this as an opportunity to tell him, if he does something like that again, he can't come back. The man apologized and actually stuck to the rules every day after that. He just went back to obsessively shadowing me and staring at me while I worked. Fast forward to Valentine's Day. One of my team leaders and I would be scheduled to work certain Thursdays after close to deep clean the store. We would stay until 1 a.m. This was one of those Thursdays. We were almost done and I had to clean the bathrooms as one of the last chores. I finished and walked out of the bathroom. I see him peeking in with both hands, pressed to the window, eyes wide, just staring at me with a super intense look. I froze for a second, just staring back. I notice, on one of his palms that is pressed to the window, there was a purple foam heart. He doesn't move at all. I freak out and Steve... I freak out and Steve back into the bathroom. I shout, Hana, Hana, he's here. She barely hears me through the music we are blasting. Hannah was the team lead who would help me hide from him, so she knew the huge fear that I felt towards him. She walked towards the bathroom, shouting back, What are you saying? What's going on? 
As soon as she gets close, she sees him. I told her again, he's here and he's watching me. She started shouting through the window. You need to leave. If you don't leave, we're calling the police. I step out a little to see if he'll leave, and he's ignoring her, and his eyes were fixated in my direction. I step back into the bathroom, and my lead continues to shout at him to leave and threatens him with the police. About five minutes pass, and he realizes that I'm not stepping out until he leaves, so he does. The next day, I, my lead... The next day, I, my lead, and I told my manager I want to file a police report. He tells me, no, wait until he talks to the boss. He shows up again that day, but I was only there to talk to my manager and leave right after. When I got home, a friend convinced me to call the police. So I text my boss that I don't care what he or his boss say. I'm scared and I'm going to file that report. Good. Good job. I dial 911 and tell them a summarized version. They tell me they're going to send somebody to where I live to take the official report. The two officers were very nice and very supportive. I told them my whole story and how my boss didn't feel the need to get the cops involved since I wasn't harmed. The officers told me that I should have called right away and defend me, saying that they can get him for harassment. I thank them, and they tell me that if he shows up to dial 911 so they can take him in for trespassing and harassing. I think that day my manager banned him and warned him never to come back because he never showed up at the coffee shop again. A few months later, when I was comfortable again with downtown, I went out with some friends to walk around. We were close to where I worked, and we were around a corner. I see him, so I ducked into a little corner store, and my friends follow. I told them I saw him, and they kept an eye out. Once he was out of view, we left the store, and that was the last time I saw him. So creepy coffee shop stalker, let's not meet again. You want wet, then get lustrous. Man, I see this cat all the time. Man, his hair be fly. So I had to grab him. I said, look here, homie. How you get your hair all greasy and fly and shit like that? He told me about Lustrious. I said, well, look here, man, can I borrow some? You see how mine had turned all red and fell out in the back? He gonna look me dead in my eye. It was like, look here, brother, you got to get your own. Lustrious gives you the juice. Make your fro glow wet. Let your fro glow. Lustrious hair care products. Side effects may include coughing, boo-booing, earling, rigor mortis. Enjoy. You're good, but let's be honest, you're not perfect. And that's not American. We strive to be number one in everything. Sports, politics, economics, homelessness, degeneracy. Los Santos is the home of beauty and glamour for the whole world. Live up to society's expectations, play your part. Your body is a work of art, don't leave it half finished. It's time for your creative plastic surgery. We'll make your face as tight as a drum. We'll suck fat out of your body with an industrial pump. Increase your confidence with fake breasts to ensure people know what you're all about. For the more adventurous, wanna try an extra nose or three breasts? You know how much men like breasts. Can you imagine how wild they'll go for others? My wife was complaining that she did all the work. Carried the baby for nine months, had painful labor. It's not fair to her my nipples are useless. That's why I had creative plastic surgery. I got a set of udders installed. Now my son can suck my udders while I'm watching the game. The fellas at the bar love him too. Men never stared lasciviously at my ass. Then I had a tail attached. Now people can't stop looking. Beauty is not skin deep, it's less than that. Creative plastic surgery, achieve your own utopia. Alright, this next one is called My Nighttime Park Stalker. At the time this happened, I was a 13-year-old female. So this happened two years ago, and I was fairly naive. 
Oh, oh, honey child. Ugh. On a side note, whoever wrote that song, Mmm, child, things are gonna get easier, that person was a fucking liar. They were lying to that child. Uh, anyway, I was a major introvert, only friends with a few people in my class. I wanted to be social, but I preferred to be alone and read or write. Classic nerd things. Well, you use proper grammar and punctuation, so uh, carry on, my wayward son. In early November, I got a text on my phone that was from a few classmates whose phone numbers I had, and around one or two I couldn't recognize. It was a group chat, asking if we wanted to hang out at night near a park at our school. My parents, being strict and paranoid, would never let me go. Luckily, or what I thought was luck, they were heading out for an overnight trip, and they'd be back around four the next day, so everything kind of fell into place for me. Once my parents left around eight-ish, I ran out the door and made my way to the park. The one thing I made sure to do was lock the door. My parents were paranoid after all, and it was their biggest thing that they ingrained in me. Once I arrived at the park, I noticed a creepy figure near the edge of the woods. Nobody else seemed to notice it, and I had already i already had enough of a reputation as a weirdo, a true crime-obsessed nerd, that I didn't mention it. I sympathize with you, my daughter. <laughs> the night drew on, and I was having the time of my life, ignoring the gut feeling I had telling me to get the fuck out of there. Every so often, I would look over my shoulder, and the man would still be standing there. At around 9.45, four out of the ten people were, that were there had to leave due to the curfew. It was getting cold, and it was nearly pitch black, with a few streetlights every so often. The rest of us decided to go out to go as well, since it felt more eerie and quiet. The place we were hanging out at was a field that was fenced in with few exits and entrances. A large, wide field with a small park in the back and our giant middle school behind us. The front of the field faced the empty road and the right and left sides were surrounded by forest. All of the people left were getting picked up by cars, meaning that they went the opposite way of the road since that's where the parking lot was. The man stood by the right uh, forest-slash-road exit that I needed to take to get home. I walked away from the group and tried to steady my heavy breathing. I didn't want to be paranoid, but all the true crime I listened to was catching up to me. The man was probably in his early 40s or late 30s, dark hair with a beard. He's probably around 5'9", but at the time it seemed like he was 6 feet tall. He stood about 10 feet from the exit I had to take, so when I got close to it, I ran for about 30 feet through the exit and through the woods. Once I felt safe enough, I started to quickly walk through the woods, or at least hurried to get to the road. I heard a snap and a crunch from behind me. I stopped walking around for a second and quickly checked over my shoulder. Around 15 feet behind me stood the very same man. He was walking slowly behind me, almost as if he was trying not to be suspicious, but that only made me, made me feel worse. I turned around and walked so quickly I was basically jogging. I lived about 10 minutes away from the park and had hung out and wasn't athletic enough to run home. <laughs> After around 7 minutes of walking fast, I was in my neighborhood. I knew that I could run to my house if I had to, so I checked to see if he was still behind me. To my horror, he was closer now, 5 feet behind me away, so I ran. I ran faster than I've ever ran. I could hear his footsteps behind me thumping across the concrete as he ran as well. I dove down an alleyway I knew well and tried to lose him in a park, making my way home longer, but I could hear his heavy breathing followed by his footsteps as he tried to keep up. I cut through the houses, backyards, and front yards. I finally made it to my house and flew up the steps. I looked behind me, and he had just arrived at the bottom of my stairs. I unlocked the door and burst through, shoving it closed behind me and heard him hit the door with his whole body. I ran around the house and locked all the windows, turned off all the lights, and hid in my bedroom with a kitchen knife just in case he got in. This would have been the perfect time to call the police, little girl. But, uh, I admire your tenacity. He didn't, luckily. 
If this was a better world, that's where my story would end, but it doesn't. After a few months, I haven't really told anybody what happened since I don't want to get in trouble with my parents for sneaking out. I didn't go out with anyone or any group anymore, and my loner status returned. I began to write horror stories as a coping mechanism and never went out past 7 p.m. It was around February when a classmate of mine was sharing a story of some random man following her home on the bus. She described almost the exact same man as the man who had chased me home. Another girl mentioned that he sounded like a guy that stood outside the school and tried to follow her home. I didn't join in, but everybody agreed that he was probably just some weird guy. He was kind of forgotten, and eventually I moved on too. Around May, I was getting ready to walk to school when my mom pulled me aside and showed me a picture of a man, the guy who stalked me, coincidentally. She told me that he had been arrested two weeks ago for sexually assaulting a child and had escaped last night. She told me to keep an eye out for him and call the cops if I saw him. I was shaking the whole time that I walked to school. It haunts me to know that if I that if he had caught me, I most likely would have been in the assaulted little girl's position or even dead. So creepy nighttime stalker who likes to hunt down young girls and assault them, let's not meet again. And if you had manned up and told your parents what happened, perhaps that little girl wouldn't have been assaulted. Hmm. Something to consider to my our younger listeners. Because your parents will get mad, you might... Uh, if you think your parents will get mad and something scary like that happens to you, it's probably better that they know about it. You might... Uh, might actually be able to prevent something like that from happening to somebody else. Also, food for thought. Hey, Mom, watch! No hands! Oh. No, no, no! My, my baby! baby. Oh, what happened? I just lost control on my bike and crashed. Only skinned my knee a little bit. Nothing too bad. Jesus H. Christ! My little baby! That's it! No more bike riding for you! Not today! Not ever! Mom, it doesn't hurt too bad! I love my bike! I just fell. It happens. That's it! I'm getting you a car! Wow, cool! I did not bring you into this world in order for you to be exposed to anything dangerous! I lost my figure for you! I ruined your father's life with my nagging! I will not see you die on some outdated contraption! I won't! I won't! I won't! I will protect you in any way I can! It's a mother's duty. I love you, Mom. Well, you need a car. We'll remortgage the house or do whatever it takes. I want you safe. And what better protection than an overpowered sports coupe you can drive when first experimenting with drinking and drugs? The teenage years can be difficult and dangerous. Don't make them deadly. Don't let your teenager ride a bicycle. Be a mother, not a murderer. This is a public service announcement paid for by the Governor's Office of San Andreas in association with My Batsu Cars of America. Okay, this next one is called Walgreens Stalker. So to give some context, I'm a small statured girl, like 5'1". I guess that makes me look easily preyed on, I don't know. One night around 9.30, I realized I had no more pads and needed to go get some. Walgreens closed at 10 and wasn't far, so I headed there. The Walgreens I headed to wasn't in the best area. It was in one of those neighborhoods that wasn't safe, that wasn't too safe, but surrounded by safe neighborhoods, so it wasn't that terrible either. I park my car directly behind the door so I can see it from the entrance. There are spots in front of me that are closer to the door, but are in the darkness. I would rather walk a little further than be hidden by the darkness. I was the only car in the parking lot. I'm on FaceTime with a friend, and I start walking towards the door and realize my car may still be on. Jesus Christ. It's a push start, and sometimes I forget to turn it off, but I always lock it regardless. So I turn around to go check, and it's not on. As I lock my car door to start walking away, a car comes pulling up super quick and I feel a little uneasy. I'm really paranoid by nature and I just hurry up and walk inside. 
As I go inside, my friend has to get off the phone. I make my way to the aisle and can't seem to find the pads at all. I'm in the adult diaper area and trying to find the pads, and I have the feeling that somebody's following me, as I hear footsteps and just feel weird. There's only one, there's only me and the employee in the store, so maybe they think I'm stealing as it's about to close. This kind of pisses me off, but whatever, just do your job. I keep looking for the pads, and as I turn a corner, I notice whoever is following me keeps ducking off into an aisle. As I turn the next aisle, the person wasn't fast enough, and I see them. It wasn't an employee, it was a 5'4", 5'5", older man. (laughs) Oh, Mr. Frodo is lost. Maybe late 40s or 50s. He had frosted tips and looked like he was trying to look younger. But he looked like a sketchy, weird asshole instead. Awkward. I felt weird, but whatever, I always think my paranoia is overthinking it, so I brush it off. I get my pads and go to the register. I shit you not when I tell you this, this man runs to the register and is empty-handed. And if you've been at the store as long as me, which was 15 minutes and you have nothing, that's weird. He grabs some sodas from the register fridge. I check out and walk to the side of the store by the coolers in the photo area. This way I can see the register and the door, but they can't see me. I call my boyfriend and tell him what happened and to come. The man takes forever to check out with his two soda bottles. Then he exits. I tell the employee what's going on. She looks outside and he's parked on the driver's side of my car. And uh, he drives a black older van model, I think like a 2000s Pacifica or something. She said that he was acting weird and antsy. When I walked away, he asked where I went. She let me stay there until he left, which took seven minutes or so. My boyfriend arrived shortly after he left. I told him the description of the car, and he told me, as he pulled in, he saw the car circling the building a few times, then hiding in the darkness in the back parking lot for employees and pharmacy drive through Which, you can see the exit. I haven't returned to that location since. Well, I guess you handled it well enough. I guess. I mean, uh... Should have gone to a better Walgreens, I suppose, but you did all right, I guess. Don't really feel one way or another. He might have just been a twocker. Might have just been spun looking for some fizzy drinks before the store closes and he sleeps in the parking lot, you know? You probably don't know you're fucking 20. Anyway. Kilimanjaro. There's nothing bigger. You're as big as a mountain. Now dress like one. Gain the confidence and freedom to really eat again. When you were little, your mom got you clothes you could grow into. The same applies here. Kilimanjaro. Because she loves love handles. If eating for you means nine trips to the buffet, if exercise means picking up the remote, if making love means eating three hot dogs, if you've got bigger breasts than your wife, then don't walk, and especially don't run, but drive very slowly down to Kilimanjaro. Kilimanjaro. We've got the clothes for you. From romper suits for wearing around the house to outsized Hawaiian shirts and elasticized trousers for the office, there's nothing better. There's nothing bigger. Kilimanjaro, the clothes shop for enormous men. Celebrating no diet day. Fat liberation is here at Kilimanjaro. Kilimanjaro. We're fighting to end hunger. Yours. All right, this next one has the stupid fucking title of You Should Feel Flattered Someone Is Showing Interest In You, Officer's Response To Me Being Scared About A Stalker. Years ago, I worked face-to-face retail. Okay. A customer who gave off super creepy vibes but didn't do anything started coming in every day to the location I worked at. Other staff would tell me they would walk to the door, look at the staff, and then leave. When I was working, they'd come in, barely greet me, walk around, but stay within eyesight no matter what I was doing. 
After a few instances of this, I asked to move to one of our other locations. Thankfully, they obliged. After almost a week of not seeing them, my father started calling the store. We have a very strict policy in regards to staff details. We do not confirm staff, but let the person know that if somebody by that name works in any of our stores, they will be forwarded the message. Nice. Apparently, my quotation mark father never wanted to leave a message. Funny, considering back then I saw my father about once a year and maybe spoke on the phone once more, setting up plans for our yearly interaction and a text message for birthday and Father's Day. So I guess what she's trying to say is the person that called was pretending to be her father. After a few weeks, a large number of staff started talking about the strange random that would walk in the door, look at them, and then leave. Until I was working the late shift alone, just before closing, he walks in. Thankfully, it's about two minutes from closing, so I tell them that they need to know that they are, what they are buying because I need to close up, and if they haven't picked up what they're after in one minute and at the counter, then they will have to leave empty-handed. He grumbled a little bit about being a paying customer, so I told him that he can forward the money for my overtime to my boss, money for my taxi ride home, but they couldn't afford what my time was worth to stay that late because my job had fringe benefits of being able to be a bit brash with customers who deserved it. What? The person didn't buy anything and left. All of the store locations have camera systems set up. I messaged my boss to let them know what occurred with the creepy and everyone was talking about. What? They messaged me back and told me to stay inside, and their partner is coming with a friend to pick me up and take me home as Creepo was hiding around the corner. Cool, fine, whatever, I'll just study till they arrive. My boss had a lot of my shifts and locations changed around and put all the clips together of the authorities. Nothing actionable can occur with a regular browser who's just giving creepy vibes. At changeover, a few days later, I was talking to a staff member at a new location who seemed a bit off while showing me around the store where everything that I'll need is. After my tour, the staff member tells me rather aggressively to not have my boyfriend come around and harass the staff. I tell them they must be confused because I've been single for quite some time and have no interest in a relationship, let alone one with a boy type. The fuck does that mean? The staff member goes to the security feed and shows me a clip of Creepo gesturing with their hands wildly and trying to reach over the counter. Apparently, my, quote, boyfriend lost his phone and came in to get it off of the store so he could call me and know he was, and to know he was all right. What? Creepo left when the staff member threatened to call the police if they didn't leave. Footage was, of course, added to the pile for the police. After that incident, I didn't see him for a few weeks. Guessing said person chose to lay low. All of a sudden, it was as if I couldn't go anywhere without seeing the creep. Thankfully, I wasn't lulled into a false sense of security. Why would you be? You're being followed, you stupid bitch. Even with me changing up my routine, talked to my uni about class times. My work roster rejig and any routes taken to and from home. I started seeing the creep everywhere. Around campus, near my gym, en route to and from home, just about anywhere but at different locations. Guessing my note-taking, but not making any acknowledgement of them seemed to make them more brazen now that they there weren't work cameras around. I had friends ask me on a few occasions who the creepy person was staring at us. I'd tell them that's the creep from work and if they could get videos or photos of how often they are seeing him to send to me uh, as I still didn't have enough evidence to warrant any concern from the authorities because they told me you should feel flattered someone is showing you so much interest and they are clearly not doing anything wrong. One day on the train into uni, someone sat very close to me. I have my book and headphones in, not 
playing anything because I am femme presenting and I live in our society. What the fuck does that mean? So I pretend to not hear them when they say hi and continue to pretend to read my book and listening to music while I try and think of how I'm going to leave as right now I'm concerned. I guess he got frustrated at my ignoring of him and after two stops as he took my book out of my hands and starts mocking my choice. I'm frozen for what seems like hours, but he was probably only a moment or two before it clicks. I'm a female on public transportation, cornered with witnesses. Predators always bank on social conditioning that you have to be polite in public and not make a fuss. So I screamed, give me my book back. I don't know you. Do not want to know you. And there are plenty of free spaces that you could sit in instead of harassing people on the bus. He got embarrassed, dropped my book, and ran into another carriage. I pressed the emergency button and told them that someone that has been stalking me for months cornered me and that will need their footage. Everyone else on the carriage did nothing, said nothing, and after they heard he was a stalker for a few months, they didn't even want to make eye contact with me. I added that to the pile and was enough to find out who they were and issue a retraining order. I don't know if they got helped, died, ruined the imaginary image they had of me, or if they found someone else, but I never saw him again. My creepy stalker from the early 2000s. I wish to have never laid eye on you in the first place, but seeing as I had, I wish to never again. Jesus Christ, you claim to have gone to university? Fuck. What, what the fuck are they teaching people there? Ugh. That was painful to read. God damn. Anyways, he was a man at war with himself, fighting a war that someone else lost. It's over, Tim. The war is over. It's never over. You've seen him wipe out millions of Cambodians in Exploder. Now, Jack Howitzer is Tim in his most challenging role yet. We're here, Tim. A preschool for slow children? You're the new teacher, Tim. Special Needs Cop. It's the story of a psychotic ex-Marine showing tough love to special ed kids. One of you tards has been running Peruvian Flake through the special ed school, and I'm gonna find it. No juice and cookies! No suck, Tim! But soon, he becomes one of them. What is this? That's teacher's gun. You wanna see it? Cool. Oh, you got it, shot yourself! Way to go! He was finally beginning to live a normal life. Then, all hell breaks loose. Tim, you're so stupid. You count with your fingers. You want to party with me? Bring it on! Tim, what are you doing? I fought for my country. Welcome to the land of freedom, bitches. Special needs cop. He had a lot to learn. This film cannot be rated. This next one is called He Could Have Killed Me. We all make dumb decisions in life, but in this case, I was very stupid. Very stupid. I arranged to meet a guy off Tinder, but because of my heightened anxiety about driving, I arranged for him to pick me up outside of my place. Oh my god. I had been talking to him for a few weeks at least, but that is not redeemable, and I know that. Well, at least you know it. The choice I made on this day could have ended me, but thankfully I'm still around to tell this cautionary tale. The guy picked me up in his car and told me that he planned to take us out for sushi. I love sushi, so I thought, great. He put in the name at the restaurant into his GPS and we were off. Making pleasant conversation on the way there until I started seeing woods. When I looked out the window, I felt extremely confused. We were supposed to be going 
into town, not into the wilderness in the middle of nowhere. Fear hit me hard then. He said, I swear the GPS is taking me through here. I didn't choose this path. This is the way. Please just get us back to civilization, I said. My eyes were wide and I must have looked like a deer in the headlights. His face was really apprehensive, so he must have known that I was scared completely shitless. Oh my god, I thought to myself, I should have just conquered my anxiety about driving and met him somewhere public. Yeah, you should have, you big pussy. Or better yet, not met with this guy at all. What the fuck was I thinking? I'm going to get murdered here in the woods. I tried checking my phone to see if I could assist him with the GPS, and that's when he said those spine-chilling words. There's no signal out here. I remember just thinking to myself to try to look calm. Don't let him think you suspect he's on to something. But man, did I feel terrified. The tips of my fingers were cold while I was simultaneously sweating. If he was going to kill me, part of me wanted him to get it over with so I wouldn't be left waiting. His forehead was perspiring. He kept saying, I swear I'm not doing this. I'm trying to get us back en route to the sushi place. I said, I don't care about sushi anymore. Get us to a gas station, anywhere with people at this point. He said, I don't have a shovel or weapon or anything in my trunk, if that's what you're thinking. Which did little to calm my nerves. We finally reached the restaurant after what felt like an eternity. I'd never been so scared in my whole life. I didn't have much of an appetite and I was physically trembling when we arrived. But I figured he didn't kill me when he had the chance, so I guess it was safe now to continue with our date. You're a fucking mouth-breathing idiot. I already planned on taking an Uber home because I didn't want to go through that experience again. I was shocked out of my mind when he then asked, So, uh, when do you think we'll do some fucking? <laughs> I nearly choked on a piece of sashimi, which is uh, apparently what he wanted to do that night as well. <laughs> anyway, what? I didn't know where this was coming from. You met him on Tinder. That's where, it co where it's coming from, you stupid fucking asshole. And I didn't know how he could ask me something like that, like this now on a first date, when he literally saw me pale as a ghost just moments ago. You know, uh, how long will you make me wait for sex? A day, a week, a month? <laughs> Wants a return on his investment is what he wants. So uh, just say no. That's all you got to do. Just don't, just tell him, mm -mm, nope, not interested. Sorry. That's all you got to do. I stared at him dumbfounded. I couldn't respond because I was utterly speechless in that moment. Well, I can't wait a whole month. I'm telling you right now. All right, man, come on, get some class. I didn't say anything and the rest of the date was insanely awkward. I said goodbye as I took my Uber home and only seconds after my driver pulled out of the restaurant in the parking lot, he texted me to say that he doesn't think it'll work out with me because he needs a girl who with a higher libido. I didn't argue, just texted him back, okay, ready to be done with this guy. When the Uber driver drove me home, he did not take me through the wilderness pathway of a potential murder site. He took me home through the streets with other cars, lights, and the sweetest scenes to my immense relief. I couldn't help but wonder why my date had to take me through an hour drive through the wilderness to get to the get to the restaurant, but it only took the Uber driver 15 minutes to get me home from the same location. The whole thing was chilling. I don't know if my date planned anything sinister or if it was an honest mistake, but I'm glad I made it out alive. You fucking idiot. He probably just wanted to talk to you in the car. I learned a tough lesson that night, one that I should have already known, but that I foolishly ignored for some reason. Don't let strangers from a dating app pick you up in their cars. You didn't know that already, you fucking idiot? So the guy that took me on a romantic drive through the woods, let's not meet again. You're a fucking crybaby drama queen. Jesus Christ. 
Notice the traffic just keeps getting worse? Is your commute taking longer and longer because of traffic jams? It's not your fault. It's someone else's. Tired of watching people on the bus earn special privileges by traveling in a bus-only lane? You can vote to change the future of traffic in San Andreas. Vote yes on Proposition 602. By opening up the bus lanes and paving over train routes, you'll fly across town. People don't have a right to cheap transport. The Constitution is very clear on this. Remember, it's only a small step from mass transit to communism. Proposition 602. Vote yes. It's all about you. Next one is called The Stalker from the Dark. I was reminded of him just last week after almost five years of not hearing from him. I saw him again last week, and I'll try my best to summarize this nightmare. Some things to note which are important to this story. One, it happened in 2017, and during that time we went a whole year without having neighbors on either side of us. So basically we're cramped between two empty houses on each side. The streetlight, number two, the streetlight in our lot had broken, and despite multiple reports to the council to fix it, nobody did. The council? What the fuck? One evening my family went out for groceries. Are you living on a commune? One evening my family went out for groceries. I was left home alone. The gate was still wide open when they left because the water pipe was located outside. I used it all the time because back then I had rabbits, so I used to fill their wa- so I used it to fill the water bowls. That day was no different. The sun was already setting by the time I went out to fill the bowls, feed the rabbits, and lock the gate. It was literally five minutes after I locked the gate that somebody was outside. Since the sun was already low on the horizon with the streetlight broken, I can barely see his face. He was outside with a van shouting for my attention. He said something about his company sending him over to do property surveillance. It was suspicious, so I ignored him and went inside. Later on, when the night got dark, my family still hadn't returned. I was inside watching Chicken Little when I heard some commotion outside. I didn't directly look at it, but I stole some glances and saw someone outside, like literally, in front of my gate. He was shouting for my attention, and guess who it was? It was the guy from before. I recognized his voice and again paid him no attention. After a seemingly long few minutes, it got quiet outside. I took another peek, and holy shit, he was attempting to climb into my house. Climb into your house or climb onto your property? I was so shocked that I couldn't move, but luckily that time I had a dog named Buck, who was passed away not long after, bless his soul. He was probably napping in one of the hiding spots, and sensed some presence. As soon as the guy saw Buck coming at him, he stopped climbing and rode away on a bike. No more van, and that was that. But ever since then, I've kept seeing him still. How do I know it was him when I can't even see his face in the first place? Well, because after that particular incident, every now and then, there was always somebody hanging out literally outside our gate with a bicycle. He was always making weird sounds, too, like when you purse and smack your lips. Oh, I hate that shit. And every time I reported it to my dad, the guy would always ride away as soon as he saw my dad checking. One time, I was at the backyard collecting my laundry. If you stand on the left side of my gate but facing in, you can see the area in our backyard where we wash and dry out our laundry. Are you washing your laundry in a barrel in the backyard? What the fuck is this? And he was standing right there, making those weird sounds again, which drew my attention. So I yelled for my dad, and once again, he saw my dad and booked it out of there. Are you an Amish? Maybe. Maybe this person's Amish. I had to go pump water for the rabbits, feed the chickens, and wash my laundry in a barrel. Yeehaw! This had been going on for almost a month while he hadn't actually posed a threat. It was enough for me to feel uncomfortable and unsafe even to want to go out at night by myself. Oh, but it got worse. My God. My room is on the outer side of the house, so I basically have a window that faces the front of the house, but my room is situated on the right side of the house, if you're looking at my house. 
So my direct view is the overgrown bushes covering the fence. If I peek my head out of the window and look to the right, I can clearly see my gate. That night, I was in my room doing some work on my desk. The window was to my left, and I left it open, as I've always liked a little night breeze. I don't remember how long I was working for, but then all of a sudden, I felt this dread washing over me. It's like I wasn't safe in the comfort of my room anymore, like I was being watched. I look out the windows and try to see in the dark, and there he was. I knew it was him. Somehow, he managed to squeeze in between the bushes and was hanging onto the fence. He saw me. I could feel him smiling at me, and then he made those awful lip-smacking sounds again. Nope. I booked it the fuck out of there like lightning. Again, I reported it to my dad, and again, he rode, he rode out of there before we could catch him in the act. Sometimes my dad and sister thought I was imagining stuff, because when they kept their eyes outside, they saw nothing. But I was the one who saw him every time. But I know for a fact, it's real. He's real, and it's the same person every time. This continued on for another two months. So, two months in total. He'd come and taunt me with his annoying lip-smacking thing and rode away before my dad and sister could get a good look at him. And then one day he stopped coming, and I haven't seen him and or heard his stupid lip-smacking sounds anymore, and this is, the la this is until last week. I was home alone again. My sister was caught up at work, and my dad was left to pick up my brother from his workplace. Your dad took the carriage to go get your brother from his handyman job? Mm-hmm. I was in the living room watching TV when I heard that awfully familiar lip-smacking sound. At this point, our street light is still broken. We've installed some fence lights, but that bastard hid in the dark where the light was too faint to reach. He was out there with his bike again, only this time I heard him giggle. I've never heard him giggled before, and no, this isn't a cute kind of giggle. It sounded malicious. I tried my hardest to ignore him, to not pay attention. But he was still out there making all kinds of noises. Over a year ago, we got a new dog, Gibbs. He was a rescued stray, and he must have heard it too. As soon as the guy saw Gibbs coming, he rode away again. That was last week. Five years ago, he terrified me to the point that I was so afraid of being outside on my own at night, even if it were just to take the laundry out of the barrel. Sometimes at night, I can't even sleep without checking every corner of the house just to make sure he's not there, and for a short period, I slept with the lights on. And even though he didn't exactly do anything physically threatening, him playing psycho tricks over a long period on me is enough to make me feel unsafe in my own house. Just when he was finally out of my head, he came back. Worse still, I have never ever seen his face, but I think he has seen mine. I hope I won't ever have to see his face. His presence alone is malicious as it is. Stalker from the dark, please let's not ever meet again. Jesus Christ, that was a slog. You think you're American, but do you drink American? Lager, the beer that brought the forest down. I like to relax after a hard day at work. And I like to relax hard, get really drunk. So drunk, you can't tell your sister from your wife. Now that's fun. And now I can do it without gaining pounds, thanks to new Lager Light. Drink even more, gain less. It's the Lager Light promise. At first, the guys were like, I didn't know you drank light beer. Are you gonna start wearing dresses and drinking wine coolers too? Well, then I explained it facilitated alcoholism without the intended weight gain, and they really switched. Now we're all lager men. Lager light, we're light in the beer, not in the loafers. All right, this next one is called A Stranger in Canada. When I was 18, my boyfriend Jake, who was 21, and I spontaneously decided to go to Snow, Mexico to go bar hopping. <laughs> Why? It was a few hours away from our home, so we made the trip. After getting settled in the hotel, we went to the first bar. We had a drink, then went in search of a new bar. Oh, because you're 18, that's why you went to Snow, Mexico to drink. 
Jake and I were chatting and walking when a man in a big puffy coat stopped and introduced himself as Ian. He noticed we were speaking English and invited us to go bar hopping with him. Turned out he lived just a few hours from where we lived. After a few bars, we met up with two of his friends and went into a strip club. Ian paid our cover charge and and drinks with a huge wad of cash. I had never seen that much money before. <laughs> That's how they get you. We started talking about reefer, and Ian wanted us to go to his hotel room to smoke some. I had had way too much to drink at this point and uh, ended up being sick in the bathroom after one puff. Thankfully, Jake wasn't that drunk, and we both eventually made our way back to the hotel. What a crazy night. The next morning, after a hangover breakfast, we were walking to our car to leave when all of a sudden Ian and his friends start calling our names. We all remarked how strange it was to run into one another again. Ian invited us all for a smoke at his friend's house. So we went, because you're stupid. It was a shady-looking, run-down apartment. We smoke, and some somehow the topic turned to how Ian makes so much money. Without directly saying it, I could tell he was into drug smuggling, possibly over the border. Ian suggested that I could make some good money doing it the same. My heart dropped immediately, and I felt uncomfortable, unsafe. I needed to get out of the apartment, the city, the country. Jake looked over and saw how freaked out I was. We casually played it off like, yeah, all right, like he was joking, but Ian's friends started nodding their heads, suggesting where I can hide it. <laughs> yeah, in your prison pocket, little girl. Jake gave Ian his phone number, his real phone number, why I don't know, and we said our goodbyes as we had a long drive home. Jake is driving, and shortly after we take off, we see Ian's car behind us, which was weird. We make a few turns, got a little lost, and he was still there. Jake made a few more erratic turns just to lose him. We both did not have a good feeling about Ian anymore. Finally, we made it across the border with no Ian in sight, and it was a weird drive home. A week or two later, Ian called up Jake on the phone, and I have no clue what was said, but I know that he never picked up a call from him again. Maybe it was a close call, maybe not. But I got that deep, gut-sinking feeling that something bad was going to happen if we were in, in Ian's presence any longer. Listen to your gut. Well, you should have... Your gut should have kicked in a little bit earlier. You know, you should have not gone to a secondary location with a stranger that you met on the street and then not done it again the next day. You're a fucking idiot. A two-time idiot. A lot of these stories are... Uh, Written, stupid people get stupid prizes is what I'm trying to say. Jesus Christ. That is exactly what's going on here. Stupid people, stupid prizes. Hello? Lisa? Yeah? How you doing, bitch? How do you like living in that house we built together, huh? Do our kids like watching that bald bastard of a new husband kiss you in the morning? They want their real father, Lisa! When you just can't be there in person, San Andreas Telephone, for those difficult conversations. Alright, this last one is titled, I got followed into the woods twice by the same guy? Ooh, it has a preamble. <laughs> preamble. I am a late 20s F, and this happened fairly recently. Nothing bad happened to me, but I'm lucky it didn't, and it easily could have. There is a conservation area that I used to like to walk around in regularly. It's beside a golf course near an ordinary subdivision just off a busy road and is popular with dog walkers and photographers. The conservation area is fairly well maintained and alerts its users that there are hidden cameras everywhere. My point in bringing attention to all of this is to say that by all accounts this is a very safe vanilla urban wooden er wooded area in a populated area. One big thing about me is that I like isolation to recharge. 
Same, homegirl, same. I dislike crowded trails and by convention and by convention go off in peak hours or when the weather is unpleasant. Not dangerous, but unpleasant. Too cold, lightly raining, foggy, etc. I stay safe, but I like there to be as few people around as possible. In a city in daylight, I don't feel like I'm really taking any risks by doing this. Alright, I get it. That's why you take a gun with you, homegirl. Anyway, first encounter. There was one day I went around 4 p.m. or so on a frigid, rainy Monday in November. On days like that, there were maybe only one or two dog walkers, but today there were no cars in the parking lot except for a dirty blue pickup truck with a man sitting in it. I noticed that he was looking at me, but that didn't really bother me. I was just happy to see the trail was empty. On this particular day, I went to the area to practice my navigation skills. I was learning how to use a compass at the time, and it's good to practice that skill in an area you won't get lost in. You mean learning how to use a compass? That's not not much to it. It points north. You need to know what direction you're trying to get to. And the compass points north. I need to practice. So I decided to go off trail to a big pine plantation, which is a big open area with large mature pine trees. If you're not familiar, it's not a hiking area or really that interesting. But you definitely get off the trail. And you wouldn't get there unless you really wanted to get there. What, you have to walk five feet from the trail and go up a hill? You're in a conservation area. <laughs> Ugh. So I pick my first landmark inside it using my compass. I'm pacing towards it. I find myself about halfway there when I hear rustling through the bushes and turn around to see the man from the dirty blue pickup truck there entering the pine plantation. He was a mid-50s white man, a little pudgy, wearing a baggy beige cardigan and blue slacks. I feel pretty alert at this point, feels out of place somehow, so I take note, but I pretend to keep walking around with my compass because I don't want to seem weird. I look at him, he pretends to ignore me, and I'm getting a really bad gut feeling about the situation for some reason at this point. I feel like he's following me. But like everybody else that writes stories on fucking Reddit, I have an anxiety disorder, so I try not to freak out for no reason. I don't want to ruin my relaxation time. It's just a guy walking around, no big deal. To see if he's following me, I pivot 180 degrees and walk directly toward the trail again. He's still following me. I walk through the bushes onto the trail. He's still following me. At this point, I was freaked out. The pine plantation entrance is only about 50 feet on the trail, so this guy would have had to have walked 50 feet, entered the pine plantation, then decided that was it for the day? Mm, bad odds. He's probably following me. I quickly exit the trail. When I'm leaving the parking lot, I see that he's still looking at me. I take the long way home, because the experience freaks me out, and I only visit the area once before the second encounter. Second encounter. This time was in January. This time, I want to go bird watching. A week prior, I had seen an owl in the same pine plantation. I was practicing navigation again, and I wanted to see it again. I had seen it about an hour before sundown, so I figured that was a good time to try to see it again in the same area. I checked the parking lot, and there was no blue pickup truck, but there were two other cars with men. One was a red sedan with heavily tinted windows, and it looked like the other one was empty. So I go on the trail again. Today is muddy, wet, cold. Area should be totally empty, which is good, but unfortunately not so. About 20 feet from the trail, I hear footsteps behind me. I don't like when people walk behind me, but it's not a crime, and I'll lose them soon when I go to the pine plantation. I'm sure you know where this is going. When I walk on the pine plantation, there is the same rustling of the bushes as before, and when I turn around, I see the same man from before. I feel a wave of terror and dread overcome me. Alone in a muddy forest with a possible stalker, but it's so calm, and it feels mundane. To confirm my fears, I walk over to the area where I saw the owl last week and pause to look for it. Who do I see next to me? 
It's the same fucking guy from before. I'm terrified at this point, and every part of me is screaming, run. So I walk as fast as I can to the trail again. I pass some other random guy in the same pine plantation and smile at him, just totally on autopilot. He smiles back. It wasn't until I was in the parking lot where I got freaked out that there was a second person in the same pine plantation. Could they have been connected somehow? I think you need, like, some fucking Haldol or Risperidone or something, man. You're freaking out over nothing. I stop briefly in the parking lot and take out a small notepad to quickly write down the license plate of the two cars. This gives the original man time to catch up in the parking lot. I'm booking it out of there on foot out of the parking lot and he yells towards me, Can I give you a ride? And I just shake my head and keep walking. As I walk away, he begins to follow me in his car. He waits at the intersection to see which direction I'm going in and I decide to walk in a busy park to lose him. He pulls into a nearby hidden driveway and stares at me and takes out his phone to presumably take a photo of me. He notes what direction I'm walking in, thus U-turn and drives the other way. Ooh, scary. Conclusion. I took the long way home, filled out a police report, and the police opened an investigation on it. I have not gone back to the conservation area since, and the experience has definitely left me with an ongoing nervousness about being alone. Doubly more, because I do not know who the second guy is. I passed him so quickly, I only... I only know that he was in his 50s and had glasses and was bald. The police unfortunately told me there's nothing they can do really at this point. So the best I can do is stay vigilant and try not to let it freak me out too much. Unfortunately, this has totally ruined my love for going out into the wilderness alone. Nothing bad happened, but I think that was more because I was able to escape and lose them before anything did. To the random two almost stalkers, let's not meet. Mm, okay. Good one. Well, on that note, squad... That's going to be it. Thank you all for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with me, please go to Instagram.com slash DukeLandis17. That is Instagram.com slash DukeLandis17. You can request a message or uh, send a message request, and I will get back to you as soon as I see it. See it. I promise uh, I, I might not do it quickly because I'm busy and I work for a living, but please don't hesitate to reach out. Also, if you'd like me to do more shows like this, more frequently, please you can uh, please don't hesitate to send a small contribution to Patreon. That is anthology of or Patreon.com/slash/anthologyofhorror. You can do that. You can make a small contribution to this show so that I can record more episodes. All right, guys. Thanks for listening, and until next time, stay spooky. <laughs>